Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. I hope you're enjoying your summer as we enter the hottest time of the year where most of the Europeans go to the coast and is the worst time probably to visit Europe if you're in America. Today, we're going to focus on Jonah Hill, born Jonah Hill Feldstein. You might know this because of his sister, who's also an actress, Beanie Feldstein, probably most famous, I would say, for Olivia Wilde's movie, Booksmart. And we, if you're new to this feed, we have a very early episode on Olivia Wilde. My opinions on Olivia Wilde after the, the, uh, the Harry Styles cheating scandal. Either way, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill has had a very, very successful career. I would say in May and I did not discuss him in the Are These Actors Over Their Peak? But I would say that he likely is. And we'll talk about we'll talk about why that is. We'll talk about why that is. Most of you guys probably first noticed him, I would say probably in Super Bad. I would say that I probably noticed him first in a, in, a, in a Justin Long movie called Accepted that also had a very young Blake Lively right after The Sister of the Traveling Pants. And this is when Justin Long had some heat. But he plays a role in this movie where the Justin Long and, and creates a university because he doesn't get into the one that he wants. And Jonah Hill is one of the side characters. And that was in 2006. Then after that, he does Knocked Up. He plays one of Seth Rogen's friends. He's one of the, the group along with Jay Baruchel, Jason Siegel, and others. And of course, I think that's where he probably gets his noticeable break. That year, he also does Evan Almighty, and he has a role in that. And then in 2007 as well, he has Superbad, which I think will probably be his iconic role. I think the large majority of people probably first saw him from this movie because he has the lead I think he's the lead more than Michael Sarah, And of course, this has a very young Emma Stone, which we talked about in the Emma Stone versus Jennifer Lawrence episode that May and I did. And let, let's go back a little. So Jonah Hill comes from wealth. His father was the accountant for Guns N' Roses on tour. I didn't even know this job existed. And he grew up in wealth in Beverly Hills. As I mentioned, he has a sister who's recently started acting. And they also had a brother who passed away, sadly, at the age of 40, an older brother from a pulmonary embolism. But he, I think, before we continue as Ove, I think I didn't want to include him in the Emperor Has No Clothes series because I think Jonah Hill clearly has comedic talent and he has the ability to carry films. I would say with a lot of the people in the Emperor Has No Clothes series, they have one gear or one niche. Like you look at Bateman and Rudd and Rebel Wilson and J-Lo and all these. And I think Jonah Hill has two gears. He's got the gear that you see in the comedic roles and then he tries to pull the Robin Williams and he has the more dramatic role. But I think that he is limited in his range. But that being said, he's worth $70 million and has done very well for himself from his movies. He's also 
is a quite successful writer and a producer, which we'll talk about here at the end, but let's keep going through his aisle over. So, you know, it's interesting because I saw, and I've seen Superbad maybe 10 times in my life, and this is really, 2007 is really the peak because you have this coming out, and I believe Knocked Up both come out in 2007, and it's like the, the Apatow revolution kicks in. Yes, he had some success producing Anchorman and Freaks and Geeks, but this is really the cusp of the R-rated comedies for like the next, I'd say, eight years. And I watched Superbad recently again, and I honestly laughed maybe one time. And I think it's like Tarantino movies where the older you get, maybe you just find them less funny, or maybe it's me. I, I do like to laugh. I find a lot of humor in something like South Park and satires like that. Tropic Thunder, movies I love, one of the movies I love here. But Superbad, I just found to be pretty stupid <laughs> the most recent time I watched it. Either way, that is probably his iconic role when he when he dies. They're going to show that first. Probably not when he's cousin. 2008, he's in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He's got the small role as the waiter. And then he reprises that role later on in Get Him to the Greek, which I believe is 2010. But he does... Funny People in 2009, again, these are all Apatow vehicles or Apatow adjacent vehicles. Forgetting Sarah Marshall was Nicholas Stoller directed it, and that's Jason Siegel's vehicle. Funny People, he plays the friend of Seth Rogen, who Adam Sandler takes under his wing to have him write jokes. And, of course, he finds out later that Sandler asked both Rogen and Jonah Hill's characters to write jokes, but Rogen didn't tell Jonah Hill's character, and of course that blows up in his face. And he's typical Jonah Hill in that movie. His first foray into something serious would be Cyrus in 2010. Didn't really do successful, wasn't too successful. He does How to Train Your Dragon in 2010. And again, I think Jonah Hill is really perfect, I think, for animation because, you know, he has the looks that only a mother could love, but also because he has a good voice for it. And he's reprising that role in, in the series, uh, on the Dragon series. In the subsequent subsequent years. 2010 is Get Him to the Greek. I think this is probably the most overweight I've seen Jonah Hill. And I think he got that feedback. Because in the following year, he dropped a lot of weight after Moneyball. But in Get Him to the Greek, it's essentially a sequel to Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Because you have Russell Brand. Man, talk about somebody who had a peak in time. And he has a very popular following on YouTube. He has a very successful YouTube channel. You know, talking about philosophy, like like uh, Kristen, what's his fa what's her face, his role, and forgetting her emotion. You just talk about bullshit, 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 and that's what he talks about in his YouTube channel, just philosophy and stuff like that. Either way, so Hill plays the guy that works for P Diddy, who's the head of this record producing company, and he's got to get Aldous Snow, who's a train wreck, to play this performance, and so it's essentially tracking him down and so forth. Around that time, too, he does a voice, uh, Titan for Megamind. Again, does a lot of animation. 2011 is really his first successful turn into dramatic roles where he is in Moneyball with Brad Pitt. He plays kind of the, the nerdy, introspective, analytics guy. Let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies, and naturopathic stuff. 
We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 2017, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. And I think he's great in this simply because it's the first time you see him do a serious dramatic role. When you see Jonah Hill, you're like, oh, Jonah Hill's gonna be, quote, Jonah Hill, right? There's two gears. This We already know the first gear, profanity. It's just like, he's like a Jack Black, but I would say a little more, I would not say a little more, but he's like Jack Black, but like a higher intellectual Jack Black. And then you see him in Moneyball and he just plays it really calm. And I know he had to fight really hard to get this role because again, Bennett Miller, the director, and the others are like, come on, you're Jonah Hill. But he did well in this. He got an Academy Award nomination for this. And um, good for him for doing that. Same year he does How to Train Your Dragons. Again, we're just going to skip the animation. Later on, he does 2020, 2012, he does 21 Jump Street, which I think is just a very well-made, funny movie. He, he and Channing Tatum play... They play very well together. They're like the Abbott and Costello, right? Because you got the good look in Channing Tatum, even though we have an episode here. I don't think Channing Tatum is that handsome, but the women love him. He's got that funny face and the thick neck. He looks like a bohunk, essentially. But this this movie is exceedingly winning. It's got also Dave Franco in and a bunch of other people. And it's just, it's just a really funny movie. Better than the sequel. It's got a very small cameo by Dakota Johnson before she did the uh, Grey trilogy. And it's very winning. Then you got that year. So this is like peak Jonah Hill. He's in the Imperial period, as we would say, the, the King period. He's in The Watch. The Watch is a movie with Ben Stiller that just tanked. It's just like a neighborhood watch. It just tanked. It just didn't hit. And you would think with the people in it, but the script was bad. And this goes back to an episode I did very early on, the first 20 episodes. What's most important? Director, actor, screenplay in making something successful. And... Hint, hint, it's not actors because this one had great actors in it and it tanked. 2013 is This Is The End. I have commented, I think with May, this is one of the movies that I cannot stand. And it's got a lot of the Apatow people in it. It's got Franco, it's got Rogan, it's got Baruchel, it's got McBride. And this movie I find to be repulsively stupid. I mean, I find the message of it to be repulsive. And I find that it's it's one of those movies that's just simply not funny. But 2013 also, he gets to be Danny Azoff in Wolf of Wall Street. And Wolf of Wall Street, I think, is great because it is subdued. Jonah Hill, Feldstein, but it's also, he gets to be comedic. And I think this is the perfect blend of Jonah Hill. He gets Academy Award nomination for this as well. Then in 2014, does the Lego movie and How to Train Your Dragon 2. Again, money, money, money for those. 2014 is also very successfully this 22 Jump Street, which I don't think is as funny. That's when they go to college. 
but it's still a pretty good movie. 2016, he's in the Cohen movie, Hell Caesar. Not a big fan of it. 2016, he's in Sausage Party, which is that Rogan vehicle where they're all different animal products, and it's, it's kind of like an X-rated. <laughs> it's just like they use the, 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 the food to be able to do things that they otherwise would not be able to do. Also, in 2016, he does War Dogs. War Dogs is one of those movies where it tries to be a serious movie, and it's he plays this guy who gets a $300 million contract from the Pentagon to arm America's allies in Afghanistan. And it's got, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Eisenberg. No, it's got Miles Teller in it. And I, I, I did not see this movie in all honesty, but it's not necessarily a movie that I would find interesting to watch. And again, anytime... Anytime Hill tries to do these combinations, they can work if it's the proper vehicle, but they do not work when it's not the proper vehicle. And I felt that this, I know the reviews weren't that great for it. 2017 is a Lego Batman movie, again, animation work. And then you not, you start noticing in the next five, six years, and we'll talk about why he says this is, he starts leaving screen and just starts to do animation or documentaries and more of his producing and writing stuff. So really, I would say 2016, where he's got Hail Caesar, Sausage Party, and War Dogs is his last great year. After that, it's just a lot of smaller work, voice work, or animation. He does Maniac in 2018, I forgot to mention that. That's that movie, that's that TV show I should say that was, I believe on Netflix, where it's him and Emma Stone in a TV show. Like maybe people were like, like, whoa, Emma Stone's on a TV show. This is amazing. But it didn't really do well. They're both like two strangers. They take a pharmaceutical drug that goes wrong. And it wasn't that successful. And I would say that's probably the last time you really see him on the screen. 2019, you see How to Train Your Dragon again. 2019 is Lego, the Lego movie part two. Then you see him, 2019, he's in Beach Bum. Beach Bum was not a movie that I saw, but it's got Matthew McConaughey in it, and it's a, it's a Harmony Korine movie, and I am not a big fan of this guy. I am not a big fan of him at all. His work, uh, you might have seen Spring Breakers, for example. I mean, he goes he goes for the back. Kids, is, uh, he wrote the screenplay for that. That's a Chloe Sevigny vehicle back in the 90s about the kids that are just doing a lot of reprehensible things. I'm just not a big fan of his work. But Jonah Hill has, it's not even a lead role for him. He's like fifth build in that movie. But he's in that movie. Again, the movie didn't do well. It's got my Sexy Saturday in there, Ela Fisher as well. Then most recently, you might have seen him in the Netflix movie Don't Look Up. I found Don't Look Up to be quite an interesting uh, movie because it's got DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. It's got a lot of heat. Meryl Streep. It's in that. It's in that movie where uh, the world's gonna end, and it's it's kind of a satire of how stupid our elite are, our leadership, and so forth, and how how how, how vacuous media is, and how they ignore the the science the science behind it I think DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are the two scientists DiCaprio is the lead and Jennifer Lawrence is the student that works under him Jonah Hill plays the assistant to Meryl Streep who's the president and this is Adam McKay most famous for being in SNL and doing a lot of the Will Ferrell movies and then later he did more of the serious stuff like The Big Short I particularly found this movie to be pretty nihilistic and depressing but 
this was a successful movie for him, but it's an ensemble movie. Most recently, he did the Netflix movie, again, a lot of Netflix stuff. He does the movie You People with Eddie Murphy in it. And this was directed by Kenya Barris, who's probably most famous for doing a lot of the ABC stuff like Blackish. But he wrote this along with Kenya Barris. And I've just found this movie not to be funny at all, not to be funny. And it was not that well received. So really quickly, let's delve into his his writing and his producing because like a, you know, like a lot of smart people in Hollywood, you gotta diversify the portfolio. So if you look at his writing credit, it's pretty impressive. He's done uh, the story for 21 Jump Street, for 22 Jump Street, as well as Sausage Party. <laughs> And then mid-90s, which was a pretty pretty successful indie movie. He directed that one as well back in 2018. He wrote and directed that. And then he wrote uh, You People as well, which I guess I, I would say is not that successful. And then if you look at his producing credits, you know, and again, producing can mean a lot. It's just, you could just be putting money into it. And because you're putting money into it, you're going to get a producing credit. But he did The Jump Streets. He did Sausage Party, mid-90s, Maniac, which of course is the show he did with Emma Stone. He was a producer in the Richard Jewell vehicle, that movie, among other things. And then You People as well, he was a producer in that. And then if you look at his directing, as I mentioned, he did do mid-90s. And uh, I, I did not know this, but I love Sarah Bareilles. And he directed the video for Gonna Get Over You, which is one of her more up-tempo songs. Uh, but he also directed Winning Time. He did an episode of Winning Time. That's that Lakers show on HBO uh, as well. And then some other vehicles. Upcoming, he is writing, directing, and starring in a vehicle called Outcome. And it's, I'll read the blurb. Follows Hollywood starlet Reef as he is forced to confront his problems and atone for his past after being threatened by bizarre video footage from his past. So that's what he's involved in. I'm assuming he's probably not the lead in that, but he is the writer-director for that. Now quickly, let's look at his personal life. As I mentioned, he lost his brother to a freak pulmonary embolism. And we know that he has struggled with his weight on and off. So he probably, I think, was at his apex, as I said, around Get Him to the Greek and in that, that kind of period, Wolf of Wall Street. And then he dropped a lot of weight in around 2011. And... You know, people were great. And he said that he was consulting a trainer, a nutritionist, and he wanted to do it to get more roles, which I think is is right. You look at someone like Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson is removing a lot of his tattoos, probably because he wants to get more serious roles. Pete Davidson is an emperor, has no clothes. We have an episode on him. But the problem with him is that he doesn't have the range. Johnny Hill always has range. But then you've noticed in the last 10 years, his weight has fluctuated quite a bit to the point where Jonah Hill made a comment on, I think it was on social media or somewhere, it says, quote, I know you mean well, but I kindly ask that you not comment on my body, good or bad. I want to politely let you know it's just not helpful and doesn't feel good. Much respect. And look, from a formerly obese guy, I have a podcast, of course, Confessions of an Obese Child, I can totally understand where he's coming from. And when you yo-yo diet, which clearly has, um, it's frustrating, right? Think of Oprah. Remember when Oprah got really skinny and then she got big? And there's a lot of celebrities whose weights go uh, up and down. Look at Sam Smith, the singer. His his weight went up um, recently. It can be it can be very difficult. So I I can relate to him. What my take on Hill is that I do think Hill, similar to to Jack Black, there are certain comedians that I think 
their comedy comes from pain. And there's certain comedians that really didn't have a lot of pain. And I think if you look at the old school comedians, most of the old school comedians came from pain. And I think, and again, I don't know, I don't know Hill. I don't know Johnny Hill. But I think if you look at, he's been chunky most of his life. And that, let me tell you, when you're overweight, when you're fat, and if you guys don't know, I was morbidly overweight most of my life. I lost 100 pounds. And uh, in my senior year in high school, and I've kept it off for 30 years. You want to distract. You don't. You don't want to be the the. the you don't want to be picked on, obviously. And so humor is one of the ways where you deflect. You become the fat kid, the fat funny kid, the archetype. You see this in a lot of movies too. And I think that's what Jonah Hill was. But I think if I had to guess, given that he's got the yo-yo dieting, he hasn't dealt with the childhood trauma that made him turn to food in the first place. And until he does that and addresses the childhood trauma, he's always going to have a disordered relationship with food. And again, this isn't really the place to talk about it. I have other feeds to talk about, like Confessions of an Obese Child. But you look at a four-year-old, you look at animals like a dog, your dog. When they get hungry, they're like, oh, I'm hungry. I want to go eat. And then they just stop eating when they're no longer hungry. But people with disordered relationships with food or even booze, they, they don't have a normal relationship with food. So they eat to excess, drink to excess to numb some pain. Normally that pain is born out of childhood trauma. And so until you address the childhood trauma and detach or extricate emotion from food, you're gonna yo-yo diet, right? You'll have times where you can have restraint and forbearance and crash diet and lose the weight, but eventually the weight's gonna come back. And so I think Jonah Hill probably has some personal demons from his childhood. And you can see that reflected in the weight gain and some other stuff and God bless him, you know, hopefully he can work on these things. He has talked about being kind of agoraphobic and having problems uh, with, with anxiety. And so maybe that does play a role in why you don't see him doing as many movies uh, anymore because he's just kind of locked himself up on one level. Uh, so, you know, we pray for him on that. In terms of his personal life, He's dated a couple of women and man, see, this is the thing about being, no offense to Jonah Hill, you know, an unattractive rich man is that you're gonna have women who like you simply because they want part of that lifestyle. So he was dating this woman, Gianna Santos for some time and they got engaged in 2019 and then broke up during COVID. And then most recently, he just recently had a kid with his girlfriend, Olivia Miller. And, you know, again, I, I see things from the red pill perspective. It's like, I feel bad. Like Jonah Hill probably wants to have a kid, but at the same time, you got to realize, oh, you know, these women, maybe they want to be with me because of my money. Maybe they want to have a kid because now they can get 20% of everything I have uh, because of it. And so he's not married and maybe he's not going to marry because he understands the dynamic, especially in California, how you can lose up to 70% of your, your assets. And again, I'm just speculating. Maybe he doesn't want to get married because of that because you can lose up to 70% of your assets and especially in a place like the People's Republic of California if you get married. But even with kids, you know, this is the problem with rich men having children is that you're a target for gold diggers. You're more likely to attract quality women, but you're more likely to attract gold diggers as well. And it's, it's a fine line because you want to have children, let's say if you are wanting to have children, but then you're like, oh, well, this woman get 20% of my assets, but there are men. And this is why you see the growth of like the men going their own way, going their own way movement. 
and that men are like, I'd rather have kids out of wedlock because at least they can only get 20% of my assets or if I get married, they can get up to 50 to 70% of my assets. Either way, this has nothing to do with Jonah Hill, really. Sorry for going off on a little tangent there. Jonah Hill, what do I want to say? I think you're talented comedically. I think you do have two gears in terms of your acting, but I think it's great that you diversify. And as you're dealing with your mental health issues, by all means, write more, direct more, produce more. You're worth 70 million and there's no reason why through your producing uh, you can't do well. Deal with your childhood trauma if you have some, that way you can maybe not have the agoraphobia and the stress and the the anxious eating and so forth. And I, I wish you the best. And you have brought me humor in the past and laughter in the past. And I will appreciate that. And hopefully you have not reached your peak in terms of your acting and you have some way to go. But part of me thinks that he is going to continue kind of like doing just work here and there in that he's not going to be in the zeitgeist as much. Because if you think about it as well, his his humor and his fame was a lot lot of kind of like high school college movies, 21 Jump Street, Super Bad. These are kind of young roles. And now that he's close to 40, uh, it's going to be, he's just going to have to pivot, pivot his career. And I wish him the best. Guys, I'll post a poll over at Spotify on Jonah Hill. You let me know what you think of him. There is a link here in the episode notes for PayPal. And there's also a link to the website, which hosts all the Eclectical Gregorio feeds. But the best way to listen to him is on Spotify and Apple. And while you're doing that, rate and review. Until next time, take care. God bless and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.